dear friends, and welcome to our podcast dedicated to sight reading through the lens of historically informed performance practice. My name is Darina Blogina. And I'm Sebastian Mitra. And today we have a guest. Again. Another guest. <laughs> Who is our guest? What's your name? Uh, my name is Peter Croton. And what Peter do you Croton. do? What do I do? Uh, I do various things, but... Uh, um, I spend a certain amount of my time playing lute and teaching lute and other things like chamber music and basso continuo and improvisation, um, sometimes playing uh, a bit of jazz guitar, sometimes uh, writing music, writing songs. Um, and uh, that sort of covers my, my professional life. Mm -hmm. And what are you doing here in Basel? I came here in, in 1979 to study lute at the Schola. Um, and I stayed and got some work. And then in 1989, I began teaching lute at the Schola. Previously, actually in 1984, I started teaching lute uh, at the Conservatory of Music in Biel, which then turned into Bern. So I've been teaching in Bern and Basel uh, since 1984, actually. Um, so what are we doing today? So today it's one of the episodes where we improvise some music yes. with each other. And yeah, so Peter um, suggested to improvise some old style. On the ground. <laughs> yes, old style ground, um, yeah. dances. Um, Fixed bass yeah. lines. Yes. So we have the, which ones do we have today? So today we have Bergamasca and Pasacalia. Great. Old school. Old school. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, so, Peter. Yes, Darina. <laughs> tell us, how did you feel improvising with us the first piece, the Bergamasca? It was what wonderful. Was, but I'm curious, what was the pro how did you experience the process of making music? You know, that's uh, very interesting. I will point. try to answer your question, but um, I, I have difficulty with that question because when I improvise, um, I'm in sort of a state so that when the improvisation is done, I forget everything that I've experienced. So it's like a blur to me. Uh, I can sort of try to recreate the feeling, but it's the same thing like when I'm uh, composing. If, if I come up with an idea and I don't write it down, then I'll forget it. So I believe it was a pleasant experience to improvise with you guys. Uh, my recollection is that uh, Darina, it was very beautiful because Darina has played some long notes to create an atmosphere and that I tried to sort of work my way into that atmosphere. Um, and that we had a, a certain amount of dialogue in our improvisation. And then, of course, Sebastian uh, was adding to that. Um, so I would say it was a, it was a beautiful experience and, and I really enjoyed it. But I've mostly forgotten it by now, even It's though like it was a only dream. 10 minutes ago. It's, yeah, sort of a blurry dream sort of thing, because that's the state I go into when I improvise. And so it's just it, I can't really tell the difference anymore between what I experienced Uh, and and what was just some sort of imaginatory thing. And where does your journey as an improviser come from? Because I, I heard that maybe you studied jazz guitar. Yes, yeah, studied. I didn't actually, I didn't really study jazz guitar. But uh, my journey with improvisation, I think, just came from uh, playing music by ear uh, since I was five years old. Uh, when I was... Um, I'll tell you a story about how I started playing guitar, and if it's not interesting, you can cut it out. I'm sure it'll be very interesting. You might. Um, so I was, um, with my family, I was living in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and uh, my, my parents took me to a street fair. And at this street fair, I wandered off, and I found myself in front of a stage where there were two men playing guitar and singing. And I stood there for a long time, completely transfixed, not noticing, not realizing that my parents weren't there with me. And after quite a while, my parents, in a panic, found me. And they said, Peter, I'm glad we found you. You've been missing. We lost you. And I said, I haven't been missing. I've been here listening to this music. And then the little four-year-old me pointed at the stage and said, that's what I want to do. And so my parents actually had a, an old guitar lying around the house. So I just started playing it. And uh, I did everything by ear. And so I started playing guitar when I was five. And just as I turned six, I did my first performance as a folk singer in a, in a, in a pizza, pizza bar, sort of a bar. Uh, ironically, it was called Bimbo's. So uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that I did my debut at Bimbo's. Um, <laughs> And um, at the age of six. And, and so I just was playing by ear and writing songs and improvising uh, just because it came to me naturally. Um, and everything was by ear. Um, and then when I started playing, uh, getting interested in jazz and started playing some jazz guitar, it was also by ear. I never actually had jazz guitar lessons at that point. 
later I, when I was at, uh, at college, I, I played in jazz ensembles. And so for me, just my whole learning process in music was based on, on listening and imitating and creating. Uh, and that felt very, very natural to me uh, as a child. And, and luckily it's, it's stayed, the feeling of naturalness of, of the improvisatory experience has stayed. And when did you learn how to read the musical notation? Um, probably, I think it wasn't until I was about 15 that, because I was taking classical guitar lessons. Um, and it was a bit difficult for me because I didn't really uh, have a, a relationship between the notes on the page and, and what I was hearing. And so I faked my way through a lot. Just sort of the teacher would play something and I would imitate the teacher. But finally, uh, the, the pieces got more complicated. So by the time I was 15, I sort of had to learn to read music. So I started reading music when I was about 15. Um, but I never really enjoyed the process. I, I would much rather improvise. That's very interesting. Yes. Yeah, because my experience, and maybe yours, mm -hmm. Sebastian, is also different. Yeah. yeah first, I, I, yeah, I started with um, notation. My education also started with notation. Yeah. And I didn't even question myself if I'm enjoying mm -hmm. uh, reading music, if I'm enjoying the process or not. It's something natural. It's like reading a book for me. Well, for me, it, it felt more like work. Yeah. Because for me, the, the improvisatory process and playing by, by ear, even starting when I was that young, was sort of a blissful experience. It just felt really wonderful. It was just pure enjoyment. And then having to sit down with a guitar and read music... It was, it was work in comparison to, to, to bliss, in effect. I have a question. Maybe I can ask a question. Uh, or we can no, no, go for it. No, because you, we were talking about how you saw these two singers and the guitarists playing. But, um, I mean, when you grew up and when you were hearing all this music, I mean, it was kind of the apogee of the American folk scene. Um, but how can... Is there some sort of connection between that and also the 16th century lute players and Dowland and and all your and your interest in in that older music as well? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. So, so a bit separate from the idea of of improvising and playing by ear was that when I was five years old, I fell in love with the idea of well, self-accompanied song, and also the singer-songwriter uh, process. Um, and so I absolutely loved hearing people sing and play. And what it, what it led to when I started, so much later, when I started playing lute, um, of course, I discovered that one of the most important things is the lute song, which, of course, then would be connected to playing basso continuo. So already quite early on when I was playing lute, I, I was completely enamored with accompanying singers whether it was already written out lute songs or playing basso continuo. So still to this day, I would consider one of my, my greatest passions is accompanying singers and also writing songs. I've written a lot of songs from a, a style, modern classical style to, to folk or jazz songs. And so that, that one moment when I was five years old was it just sort of um, imprinted me with a love of, of this idea of, of singing and playing. 
And then I sang and played a lot until I was about 12. And then, and I had one of these cute little boy sopranos. And then when my voice changed when I was about 12 or 13, I absolutely hated my voice. So I stopped singing. Um, but I, I kept my love of song and then accompanied other people. So this, this sort of naturalness, natural feeling of improvising, um, also improvising leads to improvising accompaniments and also is connected with the, the song, whether it's, uh, singer-songwriter, or jazz song, or you know, Renaissance lute song, or Boston Continuo song. It's all very connected to me, and I don't really see much of a, a difference between them, actually. That's a beautiful concept. <laughs> um, yes, going back to our improvisation with Bergamasca, I felt we had this um, historical background, but we did it in a modern way, of course. How, how did you feel about that? What do you mean by that? I don't know, there were some sonorities and some notes or some passages maybe that didn't sound Renaissance-ish for me. <laughs> yes, I felt, even though we had this bass, very consistent. And what do we know about Bergamasca? Maybe for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, where does it come from? When did it appear? Well, doesn't it come from Bergamo? And that's why it's called a Bergamasca. Yeah, I don't know much about the history of it besides that, but it's just this absolutely standard uh, pattern of what they later called tonic, subdominant, dominant tonic. I don't think they were calling it back that back in the 16th century, but just one, four, five. And, and what's for me fascinating about it is that one, four, five that was so prominent in the 16th century just stayed. So you have a lot of pop music based on that. You have a lot of folk music based on that. And of course, in jazz, a lot's based on that too, but with altered chords, like with major sevens and flat nines and stuff like that. So that's sort of the basis of, of harmonic movement, is the one four five movement. Um, and so where it, I don't believe it actually came from Bergamo, I think people were just doing it because it was a, again, it was sort of a natural way if you're playing chords sort of a natural thing to move from C to F to G and back to C. But I'm not, I don't have a historical, you know, musicological knowledge of it. So the next piece is a Passacaglia and yeah, in D minor, because it's good for my traverso. <laughs> I'm using um, this late Renaissance and very, very early Baroque instrument today, very special in 440. I like this instrument, <laughs> so probably we'll come up with some projects related to air de cour, because that's the proper instrument for this period of time. And maybe you could tell us more about your lute that you're using today. Okay, the, the lute I'm using is a seven-course lute. It's today, it's called a Renaissance lute. <laughs> Back then, it was not called a Renaissance lute. It was just a lute. And it was a typical lute from around maybe 1590 to 1610. Because after this, the lute, they, they made lutes with more courses, eight course lute, nine course lute, ten course. And the tuning, which we today call the, the Renaissance tuning, um, changed into what we call the Baroque tuning. And so the instrument changed actually quite significantly. So in modern terminology, it's a seven-course Renaissance lute from around 1600.
I think Pasacalia is a, it's kind of a difficult baseline sometimes because it's, it's almost too simple. And for me, at least with the, the harpsichord, in all my improvisation lessons and everything, it's all about how we can do everything to the Pasacalia. So we can change the bass line and change the harmonies and change all this. But just playing the simple one, for me, is quite tricky somehow. Um, for me to improvise um, and, and allow sort of my, my musical essence to come through, I have to drop uh, the judgmental process. Because if, I, if my judgmental process is, is functioning when I improvise, then I can't improvise very well. But my question is based not on a judgmental process, but on, on your aftertaste. How do aftertaste. you feel? Yes. Yeah. It felt good. Yeah, it definitely felt good. And I felt that we uh, sort of went into different passions uh, that, that can be expressed through this, the Pasacalia. Um, and that it was, a, it was a really nice experience for me. So it felt good. That's the, probably the best I can say. I felt it's like a friendship in a way. You start with some people that you don't know and then you develop your relationship through the piece or yes, and then you communicate better and better. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. I mean, uh, the, the listeners, uh, we don't have to hide it from the listeners that this is the first time that we three have played together. Right. That's um, the point of our yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've known Darina uh, for a bit, but we never played together. Sebastian and I met for the first time today. Yes. Um, and it seems to me that this kind of improvisation is, a, is an absolutely ideal way of people getting to know each other musically. Because if you get together and you, excuse me, sight read, um, then you're, you're playing somebody else's music, in effect. Um, and if you get together and do this, then we learn sort of who we are in a collective way, in, in, in the improvisatory process. And for me, some of the profoundest experiences in my life have been improvising with people. And you use the word friendship. And yes, it's, it's like a, a friendship, but you're just getting to know people in a way that you wouldn't necessarily get to know them through conversation. And so I, I felt that like now Darina and, and Sebastian, I know you better because we experience this improvisation together. But then that's just sort of like a, a belly feeling rather than a feeling that I can really translate into, into words. So for our final improvisation, we wanted to do something a bit different and channel some other directions that I think the three of us have experienced. And we wanted to do a completely free improvisation. Um, yeah, sort of contemporary-esque. Yes, and uh, instruments. let's see let's what see will what come happens.
yes, that was it. That was it. Thank you very thank much, you very much Peter. Peter. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Well, thank you for having me here. There's a lot that we could talk about. It's a, a fascinating subject, and I hope we continue this friendship. Yes, yes. Definitely. definitely. Thank you very much, and see you next week. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and, and finally we get a chance